It's December 29th, 2015. Hello from the endless sky. I'm Colin Detmar. And I'm Emily Dalton, and this is Bottle Crow, a Dota 2 podcast. And it's been a hot minute since we had a Bottle Crow. Yeah, we've had, like, every holiday. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, we had our 6.86 patch note special with host emeritus Johnny, and then we had Christmas, so we took a week off. Um, and we are getting back on schedule. We are both Christmas celebrators. How how was your Dota Christmas? <laughs> uh, mine was a Dota-less Christmas. I am actually still on vacation, like out of state, and uh, still Dota-free. I'm starting to get the shakes. How about you? I, uh, I'm going to need to get some Dota in, because in a few days here I'm going to be going on vacation myself to another country where there will be not there will be no Dota for me. Oh, no. Um. So, you know, I'll I'll manage somehow. I'll probably bring a notebook and draw maps oh <laughs> of Dota. Goodness. I hadn't even realized. <laughs> we didn't sync up our vacations properly. Not quite. Not quite. <sighs> um, yeah. So, I mean, you'll be back for a day or two before I leave. And then I'll be able to do some solo ranked random draft. Oh, solo ranked random draft has been the best thing in my life. I'm so thrilled that it exists. How's your experience been? It's been like I had a few, a few Dota solo queue moments. Ah, yes. Um, but mostly it's been fantastic. Mostly it's been really, really good because I feel like for my MMR, which is not very high, uh, two point two for those counting, um, I am unusually flexible. Mm-hmm. So the mode really plays to that for me. I can, you know, I can do whatever I need to, and the mode sort of enables me to do that. Um, it rewards me for my <sighs> my flexibility. But also, like the people, just seem you get way like you don't you don't get the one hero specialists, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like like you boot into a game of random draft and you say who wants mid, and somebody's like, or do you want it? I guess that's fine. Because, like, cause, you know, the mid people are the people who are like, I pick mm-hmm. Lena every game, or I pick, what you know, whatever, every game. Mm-hmm. You still get those people. It's really nice. That sounds delightful. I'm looking forward to it. So. Um, and it's been, like, I've also seen a fair bit of heroes that I'm just not as used to seeing, which has been really fun. Like you who? know? Oh, I mean, like, obviously, you know, I'm seeing some Oracle now. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> Um, and, you know, it's not Captain's Draft. Oracle was always a possibility, but people just didn't tend to pick him. But now know? that he's worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm seeing some... Uh, I think I saw some Death Prophet. I saw some uh, Wraith King, which I don't see a ton of. Mm. Just, you know, it's nice to see the little more variety. And also, like... Sometimes you get to see combos you didn't know would work out so well, right? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking of? Uh, I saw a lane. This was this was a game that I lost, <laughs> but it was a fun game. It was a fun game. Nobody was was shitty. Um, and they were running a lane that was Axe Gyrocopter, and oh my god, <laughs> that lane is terrifying. Man. <laughs> really they should just out. write in all chat. I wouldn't, bro. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we had a lane one game. I'm trying to remember who exactly. It was two hardcore harassers. Um, 
and leaning against them was I think uh, Shadow Shaman and Lich, and they were sad. <laughs> they were their life was sad. Yay. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been interesting to see that stuff. Um, I do feel like I mean I'm. I feel like the pool is a little too big now, honestly. Yeah, 50 I was, heroes is pretty... I didn't want to see it increase. Like, I'm glad that it's in ranked. I understand that they felt they needed to add more heroes, but nah, son. He pays your money and he takes your chances. I like the small pool. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I feel like there's a good in-between that they could go for, but, you know, it's still... It's good and it's fun, so... <sighs> so... I don't know. Um, you've got some strange notes on our, our notes here. What what do you have to say about old Dota men? <laughs> oh, this is a... Hmm, how does one handle this diplomatically? Another esports podcast was talking about how older Dota mm. players start up new teams and how that's amazing. And how then they just play the fours and the fives there, which makes some sense because you don't need those twitchy fingers. Uh and they were mostly talking about OG, which was extraordinarily peculiar since it was in fact a support player, no tail, uh, becoming a carry. But I mm. thought maybe we could we could talk about what does happen to older Dota players. Like, you don't need Twitch is not as important for most positions in Dota since it's so complicated. Yeah. So what happens to old Dota players, Colin? I mean, I feel like I mean there there are some instances of them aging into more of a like a uh, a support style role um in some cases and that's like I guess I mean like I can see an argument that that has something to do with their reflexes mm-hmm. but I don't think it's actually about that. I think it's about the fact that like a mid laner can't call the shots because they're mid laning and that takes a lot of your attention, you know? Like Part of the value of these veterans is that they've seen all this shit, and they know all these tricks, they know all these other players and these teams, and they know how to read the flow of a match. And if you're playing a support, you just have more time to think about that stuff and call the shots. There's a reason nearly every captain on a pro team is what is the five. Because mm-hmm. they have the time. Well, and two, I think there has been a flow of excellent supports away from excellent teams, not necessarily by the support's choice. And some of those support players are now choosing to play carries. And I think Mm -hmm. some of that is about supports being undervalued in the pro scene or Dota overall. Um, As as in pubs, mm -hmm. so in pros. Yeah, like No-Tail is playing a carry because he did not get the respect he deserved as a support. It's like, okay, then fuck it. I'll lead a team and we're going to be glorious. Uh, and more, more power to him. Like, it makes me a little sad that it has to go that way. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And I do think, like, I mean, I do think there's a little bit of truth to the the, the idea that, like, mid laner is a young man's game. Oh, right? totally. That is like, the Twitch position. That is the Twitch position. And, like, you see some players who have continued their careers and stayed in mid, and it's not going so hot for them. Dendi... I don't think Dendi should be staying in mid, personally. No, I want I want to see Dendi as an offlaner. I think Dendi would make a fantastic offlaner. Like, so the way I think about the psychology of the positions, and everyone is free to disagree with my assessment, but like, mid laner is like the Twitch 
pressure. You gotta like you gotta be really on point with your reaction times, your last hits, your denies. You gotta be fully present in the moment to moment gameplay all the time. And you can really right? see how it fucks with people. Like Sumail, an astonishing player. I have seen so many high stakes games where he starts maybe not quite feeding, but like almost feeding, like giving up a lot of deaths. Because it's just an incredibly high-pressure position that is, yeah, that kind of twitch-level reflex. Like, that is hard to play in a way that I would not enjoy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what, part of what made Dendi magical back when he was at the top of his game, is the mid laner's ability to make the play mm-hmm. is pretty much unparalleled, right? Mm-hmm. But, the, but <laughs> the potential for you to reach for the play and reach in too deep is is always there. Yeah. Um, I think the, uh, the safe lane carry is where a lot of these, these more vintage players end up, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your, like, Hovost was there for a while. You have, uh... Arteezy. No, Arteezy is sort of there. Secret can't make up, or it's not Secret, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Secret could make up their minds. They wanted him pretty much safe lane. Uh, Evil Geniuses is having a little bit of trouble making up their minds between him and Sumail. Sumail occasionally they give Arteezy mid, and I personally think that's a mistake. But I can see why um, they do, because Sumail does, I mean, crumple under pressure occasionally. And also, I mean, Arteezy is just known for being a mid, right? Oh, sure, but like, he's an astonishing mid. Yeah, and of course Fear was an amazing uh, safe lane carry mm. for a long time, and currently No-Tail is holding up that. It's just like, you know, these these amazing, talented players who are going into a position where they can be the anchor of the team, mm-hmm. you know? And you don't have to play that role like that. You see players like Aggressive, right, on C-Deck, who, like, he can do that. But what he wants to do is, like, go aggressive and catch you off guard because it's, like, it's the safe lane carry. And part of the reason, like, part of the reason it's called the safe lane is because the people there tend to play it kind of safe. Mm-hmm. You know, and like the unexpected aggression from aggressive really screws with teams and throws them off their game. It can be so exciting to see because yeah, you expect it the safe lane carry to just get farm shoveled into his head for kind of a long time. Mm-hmm. And the position five support tends to you know maintain the team's needs, mm-hmm. generally speaking, and also be the plus one in a fight when needed. The position four is either like. I feel like either is the roaming guy setting up ganks or is specifically de- de- dedicated to shoveling food into the big carry's mouth. Mm-hmm. And then the offlaner is a really dynamic, interesting position that I love. Come on, Dandy, you can do it! I am not a very good offlaner. I am not good at staying safe early because I also have the instinct to make the play. And when you're one person against an aggressive tri-lane, there is no play to make stand behind your tower. <laughs> Um, but it's so tempting, you know? Yeah. But, like, you think about the, the big offlaner heroes, right? Like, once upon a time, it was Tidehunter. You think about That was a, quite a long time ago. It was it was a long time ago. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back there. We'll get back there. But, like, Clockwork. Clockwork is one of the most exciting playmaker heroes in Dota. He's so fun and so interesting to watch. It's really exciting to see him do some work. Or one and of my personal favorites, Bristleback. Bristleback is great. <gasps> Bristleback can mid, which is crazy. Well... But, um, but he's also a fantastic offlaner, and the most, like... I feel like he has the most freedom to be... Well, he and Tide have the most freedom to be, like, 
giving no fucks about the enemy, right? Like it's as like, close no, as Dota comes to the hits. tank, yeah. Right. It's like I'm gonna get some last hits. What are you gonna do about <laughs> it? Um and it's really it's a position that I wish I was better at and that I think like needs to be treated not with more respect, but I would say with more prestige. I mean, think about some of the coolest players you know. Think about Universe, the player who just never fucks up. Like, he makes mistakes sometimes, mm -hmm. but he doesn't have off games. He just does his job and makes amazing plays, right? Think about Moon Meander ah, on OG. Ah, so good! Who just has these moments of brilliance. Uh, his Earthshaker just makes me want to cry. It's beautiful. like, it's, it was is beautiful and part of it is that he can like the offlaner can do so many things mm. the offlaner can be the tank the offlaner can be getting all the utility items to keep the team alive like an undying for instance the offlaner can be like the sort of semi third carry that no one ever expects like moonmanders or shaker in that one <laughs> let like already legendary game against eg oh, where he just ran around the map murdering anyone who was alone <laughs> Yeah, that was a great game to watch. I it was fantastic. I like Earthshaker, not to play. Uh, I can't play him, not like you. But uh, I gotta get back to that guy. He's so good. Oh, it's beautiful to see an Earthshaker just make people want to die, or die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just I think and of course you know there's a lot of potential for you know offlane initiators, and I just think like if you want to be the guy who makes things happen, like. The carry is the person who brings the game home, of course. The supports are the people who keep the game running, of course. Really? But if you want to, oh, sorry, go ahead. But if you want to be the person who flips the switch from losing to winning, that's the offlaner. Well, I can't a lot of tell the time. whether it's just that I am like having a better and better understanding of the meta or a better appreciation of watching it, or whether the meta for the last couple, for the last patch, and maybe hopefully this current patch has changed. But like. The three and the four are the most exciting players to watch in so many games that I'm seeing, you know? Mm -hmm. The one or the yeah. two trundle in, they're able to do some damage, that's really important, but, like, the three and the four are the most exciting part of most of the Dota pro games that I feel like I watch. Yeah. Yeah, they really, like... The three especially takes a little while to get going, always, because the nature of the role. Mm -hmm. But, like, but once like it Tusk. becomes fighting time... He'd, yeah, he didn't even get his ice shards nerfed. I mean, fuck it, he's still amazing. <sighs> well, he got another nerf recently, which we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, and so like, I don't like, I don't feel like there's any part of the game that like is inherently for old men. But I do think the position two least of all is for for older players mm -hmm. um and it's of course worth noting that when i say old men i am talking about a bunch of players who are all younger than both of us yeah. um which is always the weird thing about esports but here we are um and i think it's just like determining the way these players age determining what you get out of them right mm -hmm. like no tail I feel like has aged into a player with some like amazing guts and reads and courage. And that makes a great safe lane carry. Fear has aged into the man who can do anything. So that makes him a good 
anything, <laughs> <laughs> as it turns out. And, like, I mean, you know, Puppy's been playing support for all his years, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, nobody would say he doesn't have the skill to play other roles. His micro is out of control. His chin but is so scary. It's terrifying. But, like, as good as those skills are, now there's no way you wouldn't give him position four or five just because if you give him the extra room to think about the map, his opponent will be sad. Mm-hmm. And it's just how these players age. And how has a player like Dendi aged? How have players that have kind of fallen by the wayside? I don't just want to keep coming back to Dendi, even though he's probably the mo- he is the biggest player in Dota. He is the most popular, well-known player in Dota. But, you know other players have fallen by the wayside as well, right? Yeah. Like, players like Loda, like, are going in and out of, of relevance. Players like Resolution and Silent on Empire. Empire's been having a rough time. Like, I don't have answers for them. I think, but I think they and their teams need to think about what has happened to these players as they become veterans and how they've changed and how, and what elements of their character have been emphasized. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm a baseball fan and I'm in fact an American league fan, which means I'm a fan of the designated hitter rule, uh, which is something baseball has and Dota doesn't, which is a way to keep older players to give them a job. Basically the designated hitter just bats for the pitcher. And it's a way to keep players who are otherwise too old to keep playing major league ball in the game, drawing a salary. There's nothing like that in Dota. Um, which means, in my opinion, that it's time to build up more infrastructure and keep people around, because I think that experience Mm -hmm. is valuable, and the kind of judgment you develop is valuable. But, yeah, you can't mid no more after a certain point. Yeah, and maybe that'll change, because, I mean, like, you know, once upon a time, Dazzle was considered a pretty decent mid, you know? Like, Death Prophet was a hell of a mid, and maybe she'll get back there. Maybe Dazzle will get back there the identity of these roles can change and has over time, and that's part of what makes it exciting. It wasn't always so twitchy. Mm-hmm. Maybe someday it won't be. We could bring Death Prophet back to mid with our AGS proposals. We we probably could. Pro-sag. But, well, I think first we need to get at least 6.8C. 6.86C out of the way. Fine. Um, which was our, our patch on uh, December 28th at least here in the States. Might have been 29th where you were. Um, And basically, it was just a bunch of tweaks to a number of heroes. Um, I feel like the biggest takeaway from this series of balance tweaks is Ice Frog is really annoyed people are still playing 6.85 heroes. (laughs) Uh, Tusk got a little nerf. Bane got a little nerf. I, um... Gyrocopter got a little nerf. Dazzle got a little nerf. Darkseer got a little nerf. Undying got a little nerf. It's just like, no, knock it off. It <laughs> Stop seems, playing these years. I mean, I'm not, you know, but I'm not big picture Jenny, but it seems like a little soon to be getting that annoyed about it. Like, usually it takes a little time for the heroes of the new meta, the flavor of the hour, to develop. Is that... I mean, I think part of it is that a lot of these heroes, like, I say 6.85 heroes because I'm trying to... Sp- paint with a broad brush, but like Dazzle and Gyrocopter, we've been seeing these motherfuckers forever. They're great they motherfuckers. Sure, I'm sick. I am so sick of Gyro. Oh, sure, I love Dazzle, but Gyro, yeah. Yeah, like 
I think like I can I can stand to see these guys get pushed down a little, and you know I think that this is one of those situations that we've seen. Ice Frog is willing to. I don't know. I don't think he's over nerfed. Looking at the changes, but he is willing to over nerf to change up the meta sometimes. Winter Wyvern. Well, Winter Wyvern got a little buff here, a very tiny buff that doesn't change the fact that she's still screwed. But you know, she got a little buff. That poor that lizard nice. lady. Yeah. Um. Other other changes of note, there are several notable uh, Faceless Void buffs. Um, there are some buffs and changes to Ricky, because people are pretty upset about the new Ricky, and I'm not sure this is going to change their mind. Um, OD got buffed even more, and he's really scary now. I don't, like, I don't have a problem with this buff, but, like, this is not, like, this is not him being strong enough. It's people not paying attention. Are you he's seeing terrifying. I have seen him a couple of times in play. I played him once in a random draft game, uh, and I was playing with a friend of mine who used to be 3.3k MMR. Isn't anymore. He's worse than me now because he just doesn't play very much. But I was mid in a game that was way above my level, and I just ate everyone because OD is so good now. <laughs> um, and I also haven't played OD in ages. But And, of course, my team had my back and it was wonderful and they were lovely but like god damn that hero um invoker got a little nerf because uh rushing alacrity on him has become insanely good mm -hmm. and it just seems like um it seems like he's trying to hammer out the meta that he wants right in a way that I i'm fine with right but he's like i buffed these heroes i wanted to make them strong again and they're a little too strong or people aren't paying enough attention and let me just sort of put a bullet in some of these these changes, right? I'm a little he torn. also gave a few... Oh, sorry, go no, ahead. No, 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 I just, I'm a little torn between, I mean, it does feel like more and more I feel like you can see Ice Frog's finger on the scales being like, how about these guys? How about not these other guys? And I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, in theory, I don't love that, and in practice, I just want to send him an email going, Batrider, motherfucker! But like, ah, very ambivalent. What do you think about that, just in theory? I mean, so my background when it comes to competitive balance in games is from fighting games, right? Mm. And there was a, a, in the community, I would say probably infamous, most people don't like it, um, line from an interview with Yoshinori Ono, who is the man who took over Street Fighter. He made Street Fighter 4, and he's working on it continuing forward, as well as a lot of other Capcom's other fighting games, right? Mm -hmm. Big name in the industry. And there was an interview with him when uh, Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition was coming out, because people were like, "So these balance changes seem weird." Like Super Street Fighter Four, the previous edition, is pretty incredible balance, and it seems like you're changing some things kind of unnecessarily. And he said, "And this is a, this is a paraphrasing of a translation, because he speaks Japanese." But he said, "A perfectly balanced game is not the goal. That's not good." And he didn't elaborate, but I took a lot from that about from the idea of like a shifting meta and of people sometimes being intentionally a little underpowered because that can be interesting, you know? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I definitely like it that the meta keeps shifting, that the heroes of the week keep shifting. And I understand theoretically that that does mean that some people are always going to be over and some people underpowered. And I guess for me, it just, it becomes a little weirder when there's like, 
when there's a figure like Ice Frog, like this legendary guy in charge of Dota Balance, who's like, mm, I think maybe Elder Titan. Like, I don't know, Baron Harkonnen. This seems a little weird. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I don't, I don't entirely disagree, you know? But also, like... I don't think that there is a... Like, I don't think that there's a developer whose approach to, like combat design, like a single person that I respect as much as Ice Frogs. Oh, definitely. So, like, I feel like he kind of, like, not just, I mean, obviously he has the right because it's his, but also he kind of has the right because he's doing such a good job. You know? Uh, fair point. So, But bad I writer! Know. I mean, that, that buff in 6.86 was no joke. Are you seeing a lot of bat rider? No. Yeah. I mean, I'm not seeing a lot of OD, and that man's out of control. <sighs> anyway, so one of the heroes who got buffed with this patch was Death Prophet, who got a few, like, another, I as we called them before, like, pay attention to me buffs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she is our Ags of the Week, so let's go ahead and establish her lore really quickly. Her name is Crobellus, and Death Prophet is her title, her job which essentially means that she told fortunes of people, uh, sort of told the fortunes that they would have after they died, right? She looked into their afterlife and tried to figure out what it held for them. And eventually, you know, just sort of like naturally, she became curious about her own fate beyond the veil. Who wouldn't? And... She couldn't, like, she saw nothing. Every time she checked, she she saw no answers, no nothing. And she got really frustrated, and finally she was like, no, I have to know, and she killed herself. And she was dead for, I mean, like, it doesn't doesn't specify, but essentially she was dead for a few moments, and then alive again, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And she did this over and over and over again, trying to learn more. And every time she did, she became a little more inhuman. Um, and finally, she decided that, like, if she kept this up, she could, like, she needed to find someone who could basically kill her for good, right? Okay. And the final note is that actually that is her ultimate. Her ultimate sort of sw- summons a swarm of ghosts, you know, exorcism, that fly around and attack things. The beautiful ladies. They're all her. Those are all ghosts of various times she has died. Hmm. Um, and that's relevant to my ags, at least. But I don't know about yours. What is your idea for no, an you ags for the death problem? This time, hmm? you go first. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to upstage you. <laughs> You'll upstage me either way. Just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was thinking about this, right? And I was thinking, like, exorcism is her coolest ability. Yeah. By a lot. And I was trying to figure out a way to not make my ags about exorcism. And I failed because I had an idea that was too cool not to say. Hit me. When she buys an axe and she hits exorcism, it unleashes the normal number of spirits for her, right? Mm-hmm. 
which is um how many is it? I don't remember. Uh oh, it's eight, sixteen, or twenty-four based on rank, okay. right? Mm-hmm. But it also does something extra. Based on the number of deaths of every person on your team, they release a number of ghosts of themselves as well that hover around them. That is such a neat idea. You have upstage rate. It is the comeback button. You buy it when the game is, like, you guys are getting the shit kicked out of you. Your Riki has 17 deaths, and you buy this Ags, and suddenly he's a wall of doom. Oh, man. That is such a cool idea. <laughs> I, I endorse yours. I'll still give mine, but I, uh... Yeah, unequivocally endorse your Ags idea. That is really neat. Uh, that's really Thank neat. You. That wants support on your team, who keeps getting fucked over by Spirit Breaker. It's time. It's certainly the most terrifying man oh, in the game. That would be amazing. I just have to sit this, sit with this for a minute. I know it's bad radio, but oh, I'm overcome. <laughs> hmm. Well, my Ags idea, less cool, also about exorcism, because of course it is. Uh... I mean, if you think about it, like, she throws bats and yells at you, she makes you silent, or exorcism, which is extraordinarily awesome. Uh, I feel bad now that I didn't take it in a different direction. However, mine was just a buff to exorcism in that I would add probably 20% to the duration, possibly, I want to say 20% to the damage, but, you know, I'm, I'm flexible on the numbers, but the main thing is that it becomes microable. Uh, think of it as like a swarm from D&D, but you can mm. send it. It still originates from her, and then she can direct the swarm. So, like, would you have her, like, would would they be literal units, or would it be like she gains an extra ability and she clicks on a spot on the ground and the swarm just goes for it? I'm thinking it would be, like, a unit, but, like, the heart of the swarm would be a unit, you know? Mm. Like, a swarm mm. of rats in D&D. Like, you can direct it that way, but you can't say, like, this goes this way, this goes the other way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm, yours is Would... I was really excited. When no, I yours it. is really uh, cool. I like it. And um, the other, like, dear readers, if you have thoughts, one of the the ways that I thought about this was like she's really like she's really like classic horror movie lady, right? Like old and spooky, not like not like not like Saw, like old like. How would you phrase it? I mean, you could go with classic horror, like the kind of, uh, is it Hammer films? Like, you know, the old black and white, like, yeah. gracious, She's a very slow-paced, suspenseful. genre, like, era of character. She's the I Bride of like. Frankenstein. Totally, totally. And I feel like there are ways to implement, like, to use some of those tropes that I failed to think of because this other idea sort of took hold of me, mm-hmm. right? So, that's... You know, that's food for thought for now. <sighs> I was probably caught uh, up by the fact that whenever I play Death Prophet, I get murderated even after buying the Bloodstone. So uh, send the mm. swarm away. Don't run into danger. It'll be okay. I mean, I feel like that's the one thing that makes it fair is that you can take her down. Well, you good know? news. <laughs> I every time I see one of those death prophets with the Yules who self Yuleses after hitting exorcism, I'm just mad. <laughs> like that's smart. Yule, that's some bullshit. <laughs> uh. Hmm. So, what is our fan fiction 
this week, sister? Our fan fiction this week is, um, I'm going to say solidly middle of the road, very short. I would like to see more from it. It, it really reads like a prelude, I think. Does it say? It does say to be continued at the bottom and uh, was last. Oh, it's from this month, so our odds are good. It is called Of Night and Day. It is by Truth Faith, True Faith 21. And it features Coddle and Night Stalker as buddy cops. You know, that's what I expected when I heard the title. I mean, like, the, the buddy cops part... I you know obviously that part wasn't apparent, but you say of night and day, it's like okay, so it's it's Coddle and Night. There Stalker. are so many Coddle and Night Stalker fan fiction. Way more than I expected. It's like Juggernaut and Crystal Maiden, very popular, sure. or Sven and Crystal yeah. Maiden, and then Coddle and Night Stalker. Like those two apparently belong together, like like peanut butter and chocolate. Hmm. Uh, so they um. They are buddy cops. That's how I believe the author describes it as them as buddy. Yeah. Quote unquote buddy cops. Ah, bathed in the light. Isn't this glorious Balinar? For once we get a moment to rest. Elazar pe- pets the head of the, his horse and sits back, relaxed in saddle. You are an old fool, Ezalor. This cursed dawn burns my eyes. I long for another case soon to distract myself from this radiance. Um, so, uh,. They have conversation for a little bit, and then in all caps, FIRST BLOOD! So, they hear the announcement of First Blood, and it looks like we finally have a case. <laughs> so they they go investigate First Blood. This idea is very charming to me, that every time yeah. there's a kill in Dota, they're like, well, shit, better go see what happened there. <laughs> um, eventually, I have to wonder if they're hearing the announcer, if it gets simpler, if it says something like, Pudge is on a rampage, that they're like... I think probably Pudge did this one. But in the meantime, for first blood, uh, they arrive at the scene to find the body of a young maiden lying lifeless upon the ground, the frost still settling down around her. Have you figured out who the murder victim is? Lena. Oh, so close. But they will tell you. Don't worry. Uh, Keeper can't remember either. Her name escapes him. Uh... But uh, Night Stalker is able to say, Keeper, focus! Rylai, the Crystal Maiden is our victim. It appears she died of a dagger in the back, and from the poison that invaded her system. A waste of a good support. Now I suppose the question is, was the poison in her blood from the dagger, or were there two accomplices? So really, like, they search around, mm. they see the tracks of perhaps a giant yeah. snake. <laughs> um, Because uh, I was going to say, it's Queen of Pain, it's over, but... Of course, no. the assist. No, it's it's not. How Queen foolish of, Pain. of me! Uh, it's. I, they can tell that someone snake-like was involved. They see that Crystal Maiden was attempting to place a ward. But Night Stalker is not content. Something bothers me greatly about this. I feel there must be more than one assailant. You are correct. I see it now where I could not before. There seems to be a faint but lingering essence of another being. The light is being distorted around it. Odd, I have not seen this before. Whatever could it be? Indeed, it is the Phantom Assassin, and they are experiencing Blur. Um, yeah, so they do, in fact, they don't say straight out that it was Phantom Assassin, but they do the last line of the story is, let's go catch us a phantom. So, uh... I I like this one. Yeah, no, it's sweet. It's uh, I, I actually look forward to more from the author, who promises that there will be more. Um... 
da, da. I will be writing an extra story if people would like to read them. Well, I most, will most likely be writing them anyway because I enjoy the story. Fair enough, author. Like, I enjoy the story also. It's extraordinarily short. Hopefully there will be more soon, but uh, yeah, they're just... <laughs> I love the idea of a dragnet pair just wandering over and being like, someone has killed this young lady. Like, well, yes, of course, the whole game is, no, no, shh. I think I see tracks of a snake. Like, it's adorable. <laughs> yeah. I, my metagaming has to, has to point out that... He's flying and there are no tracks. Oh, is it Viper? I assumed it was Venomancer. It could be Venomancer. It could be Medusa. They only see tracks of a snake. Well, it's poison, right? So, like, it could be Medusa. She could have bought an orb of venom. That seems like you'd have some arrows or something. Um, but, like, it's poison and, and, and snake. So I think probably Venomancer. But also Venomancer could just be a bystander. And maybe PA bought an orb of venom because with that patch, her dagger now has the on-hit effects. We really need the update now, author. Please. You're keeping us in suspense. Oh, who even knows what happened here? Come on, true faith. All right. Well, it's a short one, but it's fun. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I don't know. It's occasionally I am actually pleased by these as opposed to just, you know, hilariously flustered. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. I try to mix it up for me. I I was talking to the author, but you too. Well, fine. Appreciate the (laughs) author for the work that they did at actually writing the piece. Be that way. (laughs) Alright, well I think that's it for this episode of Bottle Crow. You can find us on iTunes, you can give us a rating or review there, and we would greatly appreciate that. Also, tell a friend. This is the only way we have of spreading word about the podcast, so we need your help. Um, This podcast is part of Scanline Media at scanlinemedia.com, where we do video game reviews and criticism and also, you know, videos and other content. Um, If you wanted to give us a a little donation to help us carry on with the show... You could go to patreon.com slash scanlinemedia, but there's also no need. All that money just goes to uh, helping us cover more stuff, but none of our content costs any money. Um, I want to give a thank you to Reddit user Promoti for use of his Harmonies of New Bloom music pack, which we use as our intro and outro. It's some good stuff, and you should get it in-game in Dota. And uh, thanks from us here at Bottle Crow, and we will see you guys in the new year. Bye.